My church's youth group band played secular songs before the service, which, as a super sheltered kid, I had no idea they were secular songs. They're the worship band, right? They're playing worship songs, right? So, of course, me trying desperately to fit in raised my hands in worship during the Bare Naked Ladies Pinch Me. I still hate that band. Damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school. Cause my best days would be in the past. I know, I know, I know, I know, looking back, it ain't all bad, but damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school. Hey everyone, welcome to season three of Unlearning Youth Group, where the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group. We find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We have a Matt. My name is Jonathan Carone, and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, can you go ahead and say hey to the people? What's up? Season three, we're really hitting our stride this season. I can't wait for uh, some of these topics coming up. Yeah, we're not waiting six months to do another season, so that's, that's actually exciting. That's right. uh, today is one that uh, we're excited to kick off the season with. It's actually a little bit inspired by the first episode of last season where we talked about cry nights at church camp. If you haven't uh, listened to that one, go back and take a listen to that. But the general idea for today is that in youth group and really church in general, there's this line between letting the Holy Spirit lead us, uh, specifically during uh, church services. We're going to kind of hang out in church services today, not necessarily Christian life, but the Holy Spirit leading us during worship services and the preaching of the word um, and how there's a line between that and emotionally manipulating people for a response. My background when I was on church staff, uh, yes, I worked in student ministry, and, but one of the things I picked up when I was doing that was the production side of things light, sound, environment, all those things. And I ended up getting hired as the creative director for my church, uh, where I oversaw seven services in three venues. So I did the production for all of that. Um, and where I lived a ton and got really good at and enjoyed was running lights. So I know how to manipulate a room to feel like it's a certain environment to fit what we're trying to do. And, uh, I know oh, I know how to do that to where it feels like the Holy Spirit, even when it's not. Uh, I don't like to admit it, but there were times that we did some things production-wise because we could see the crowd was flat. So uh, we wanted to lead them and um, did some stuff lighting-wise that was more dramatic that maybe got people out of their comfort zone. But today we're talking about that line. Eric, you are a musician. What does this look like from the musical side of things? Yeah, I think I'm in the same same boat as you. Most of my jobs in on church staff, you know, I might have had like one main role and responsibility, but I was always on the programming team, you know, whatever you want to call that, whether that was for camps, uh, retreats, special events, um, or services in general in the last two mega churches that I worked for. And it was the same. And I've consulted for other large churches. And it's, it's a, I mean, I'm not gonna say every church is like this, but a vast majority of those types of churches are like this. And so from the musical side specifically, like we knew which songs to pick to lead people to where we wanted them to go essentially. 
that was a piece. The other piece was like, we had a bit, you know, mega church, we had audio visual, we had big video team. So we do video testimonials every week. And at one church I worked at, uh, and the, the lead pastor would actually call, or I mean, the team would, they would call it the moment, like, where's the moment. And what they meant by that was where was that emotional moment that everybody would remember and take away. And there would be times that, you know, there would be video, um, testimonials that were pitched and, you know, we would have to say no to certain people because, and I quote, they were not powerful enough, right? Or they didn't have enough emotional appeal or they weren't going to, uh, you know, bring those feelings in. And in, in one of the churches, we actually said that our job was to create an environment that was conducive for what, what we would call an emotional response. But what they really meant was like create a moment where people would feel the Holy Spirit. And so would you, you know, it's a really weird line sometimes between, uh, again, getting your yourself ready in worship, because I firmly believe the music, the lights, the sound, all of that environmental stuff is good to get people's hearts and minds ready to receive what the, what the Holy Spirit has for them. At the same time, if you're not doing that in the right way, you're not checking yourself, you're not being humble, or in times where like we're seeing in the last year or two with COVID, church decline, stuff like that, now you start turning those dials in a way that could be dangerous and manipulative because now you're trying to manipulate people's feelings and in a way convince them that it's the Holy Spirit talking and and not just, you know, one of the the tweets that has been going around recently, which uh which I think you can you could quote for us. Yeah, there were it went viral here recently. It said, Dear evangelical, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's just a G to C chord and decent lighting. Yeah. So I mean, like, right? So that's that's the type of thing that you put too many of those pieces in, and now it becomes more manipulative than it does becoming a good steward of the resources that you have. And I don't think most people go into it thinking about emotional manipulation. I know in the moment, I never once thought I was trying to manipulate people. I thought I was trying to lead people into an experience with Jesus or with the Holy Spirit. Sure. And I still think that's true in most cases. But like you said, there's that fine line. And I think that we're in season three now. I think most people listening, hopefully if they've been with us for a while, they recognize the nuance that we try to talk about in these things that Right. We're not saying these things are inherently bad. Right. Like there, no one's or most people, I should say, didn't start out trying to do something bad. It's just, oh, I see what we did there. Yeah. And it ended up not being great because I think the spirit can lead us to plan great events and mm -hmm. great worship services. And the Holy Spirit can lead us to hey, that song is the right song for that moment. Right. One of the things I did while I ran lights, I don't know how much you know about this, Eric, but basically, have you ever been in a church that waved like the banners during worship? Yes. The different colored banners and those things. I never worked for okay, one, so, but I've attended them. And that was the last time I would attend that church. <laughs> <laughs> so the church I was on staff at, uh, we had those occasionally. Yeah. Um, we didn't have those in Sunday morning services, but in our um, extras, like we had, we had a prayer and worship event on Wednesday nights where people could be taught what those meant. Yeah. And we would allow those there. We had um, an event a couple of times a year where those would be allowed to, because again, we could explain what they meant. So 
I never waved a flag or anything like that, but I knew what the colors meant. Right. That green meant that when you wave a green banner, it means this. When you wave a red banner, it represents the blood of Jesus covering everyone and those things. So there were times that I would go into doing lights for a service, and that was my motivation. I was purposely thinking through, like, okay, this color, we're singing about this. This color represents that. So I would purposely plan to use those colors. I knew it would evoke an emotional response, but my goal was not to manipulate with that emotional response. It was to lead people into a form of worship through that emotion. And I think that's the line that we've got to figure out how to walk. Yeah. Have you ever been to one of like a Bethel or Elevation tour worship night type of thing? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you know this right here, but Bethel, well, I'm not trying to pick on Bethel. I I have my issues with them. But but, it's been reported and in the news, so it's not like... Yes, so so this isn't me like just picking on them. What Bethel is known for is being very spirit-led and having times of spontaneous spirit-led moments in their um, worship services, which I have been a part of spirit-led spontaneous worship services, and they are extremely powerful. So I'm not trying to crap on those. But what has happened is Bethel actually builds spontaneous times into their worship set where if you were to go to their concert two nights in a row, the quote unquote spontaneous moments would be the exact same. Yep. So they're there as a, like that is what we're talking about when we say emotional manipulation, because that's not being spirit led. That's not being honest. That's being emotionally manipulative. Yeah. Especially when you claim that it's, spontaneous. I think that's the thing because, um, on one hand, it's like, if we're, if we're being honest, when you're doing something long enough or when you're in the inside, you know, whether it's as a worship leader or anything else like that, like, you know, um, I knew, I knew 10, 15 years ago that when we played the stand, when it comes to all stand with, uh, arms wide and heart abandoned, you know what every single freaking person in the in the congregation was doing? They stand up with their they arms high and, and their heart abandoned. Yeah, hands out, right? As Dude, soon if as you, you put dance moves inside a worship song, white people yeah, are going to stand up and do it's it. It's why we happening. like the cha-cha slide and right. um, the other one I can't think of, which is a Liberty grad. It's embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> cha-cha slide and the other, what's the other one? Eric, I'm struggling here. Uh, let's see. Well, I know worship wise, and this was like 20 years ago, you know, Lord, I lift your name on high. Like you came from heaven to, uh-huh. earth to show the way from the earth. Like we, they would do the hand. If you learned hand motions, they're doing hand motions. Keep I remember the, yeah, Keep well, keep shuffle, the secular one. Now, now like, we're back on track. I apologize. The, uh, that, but that's the point that I think we make is like, we know, you know, as a lighting person that, uh, a, a darker set of lights with certain sort of splashes and the moving gobos and other things like that are going to create a different environment for a different s- emotional response than a strobing back and forth, a bunch of different, you know, fast moving lights are. We know that we know that certain songs are doing these things with songwriters when they're writing them in, uh, like for the, for instance, the Bethel, why do they play? Why is it like one verse, seven bridges and a chorus and the end? 
right? It's but because I they Elevation's knew. Most recent album because it did they, that in every but that's freaking what I'm saying. song. Like they knew, they knew they had a hook in the bridge that maybe, if I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, maybe they did a spontaneous worship session one time, and man, the spirit was really just moving on that bridge, and so they repeated over and over and again. And now what we do is we then package that and deliver that as a commodity. So now the Holy Spirit becomes a commodity that we can deliver rather than something that's one already inside of us, as it says, you know, for all believers, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us in first John two twenty. So like there's one part, but then on the other hand, it's like, are we, are we creating an environment for people to meet God or are we packaging up God to deliver to them um, through our, our service elements? It's like when, when a worship band records a live album, and you can tell there actually was a spontaneous moment in that service or in sure. that song. And then it makes the live album. Mm-hmm. So now Jimmy worship leader at cool church Inc, wherever you're at, yep. he hears that song and oh, that's a great song. I, I think our church would really respond to that. And I want to lead them in that, but yet he does the exact same spontaneous stuff in the middle of that. Yep. Instead of saying, hey, that was spontaneous for their moment. Let's make, let's create our own thing for here. He just, like you said, the, the commodity line's a great, a great line. I had never, I'd never thought of it in those terms. But when you start doing that, it does take away the spirit led nature of it. And you are trying to capture something that was good and holy and spirit led in the yes. moment. And you, now yes. you were trying to use that to falsely create something for your church. Well, and what you use the line too, and it's in, it's in the notes here that we talked about is it's manufactured. And what do you manufacture? You manufacture con- commodities, you manufacture consumer goods, you manufacture things that people consume. And so some of it has to be manufactured. I get that. You know, I mean, like I was part the two churches that I was a part of both had very strict time, you know, timelines because we had five services a weekend or seven services a weekend or whatever. We had to get people in and out. We had to have time for the parking crew. And, you know, and we, you knew you had the, the youth leaders with the kids in the back that had screaming kids. You had to get out at, at, a, a, at the right time. So like, I get that you have to have a structure and things like that. At the same time, some of these things are one, that, that part of where it's emotional manipulation, but two, like we had a camp one time with the worship leader. We were playing, uh, I was on stage playing drums with this and we were playing, um, with everything by Hillsong. Right. And the whoa, whoa, right. I mean, like you have the whoa, whoa time at the end. And, and what happened was the worship leader turned around and he looked at the band and kind of gave us, gave us the, the nod that we were going to keep doing this thing. And he proceeded to do, I mean, it was no less, we went back and we looked at the tape. It was no less than five to seven minutes of just song after song after song after song that he, uh, uh, he adjusted to sing over the, um, the chord progression of that bridge. And at the end, I mean, I'm in the moment there and I did not feel like that was a, a movement of the Holy Spirit. That felt more like one guy who wanted to flex his, his musical theory ability to go through the entire catalog of every song he could think of with those same chord progressions. And as a band, we're like looking at each other going, what are we doing here? You know, what is going on? Of course, there's high schoolers in the front that are just loving it and eating it up. But like at the same time, 
there there's a piece of manufacturing these commodities that's very selfish and self-centered and i think that's the thing that we need to be able to separate out that line like you said that we need to walk are we doing this if you're in church leadership are you doing this because you honestly think that this is going to invite the holy spirit into the moment? Or are you doing this because you want to show off? Are you doing this because you want to be smarter than everybody in the room? Are you doing this because you're nervous because uh, attendance has gone down or you had that one deacon or that one board member say something to you, or you're tired of hearing the comments in the lobby about certain things? Or you, like you said, you see Bethel and you see other places and you go, well, there you have a big thriving ministry. I want mine to be big. So what am I going to do? I'm going to copy their product and I'm going to start, you know, pumping it out for my people. And then you mentioned the, the multiple services thing, and it made me think of something. Um, and this gets, we're a little talking, let me back up. We know two things about our audience, the people listening to this, there's a good amount of people who are on church staffs right now uh, who are listening to this. And we'd never expected that to be our audience, but we're, we're trying to adapt and speak to those as well as the people who have grown up in youth group and are now out of it. And so um, we're going to get to the, the general person here in a minute, but I think it's good for everybody to hear anyways. You mentioned the, multiple service thing. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but first hour, first service, something great and incredible and spontaneous happens, whether it's in worship or it's during the preaching or whatever, but it's a powerful moment that it's like, man, that was really good. Yeah. And then you have to walk the line of, do we add that to the other services or was that just a moment for that service? And Again, this gets back to motivations and we can't really speak to people who we don't know, but if the motivation is like, that was really cool, let's have that happen uh, again so that people, whatever. And that's a little manipulative. If it's like, oh, that right. like people were impacted by that and uh, we saw God work in really cool ways. Okay, let's add that in. Let's be led by the spirit enough to adjust our plans and add that in. So right. there's a fine line there. Uh, from a church leadership standpoint. But if we switch to just the normal everyday person, like the the kid who grew up in youth group, who's now in their twenties or thirties or forties listening to this. And there is something to be said about. So when that last elevation and Maverick city album came out, I remember reading somebody online that I knew they commented, man, I wish I was in the room there. It must've been so powerful. And this gets back to our cry nights episode. Yeah. When we start chasing that feeling, that mountaintop Jesus, that um, produced worship moment, as that's the only experience of the Holy spirit that we know that's when we start getting in trouble and that's when we start getting opening ourselves up to being manipulated emotionally by people who hopefully have good intentions, but sometimes they just, I mean, people are sinful church leaders as well. Sometimes it's self-preservation. Sometimes it's ego. Sometimes it's whatever. But if we're chasing mountaintop Jesus, we're chasing that, 
big, giant, emotional, Holy Spirit moment, then we open ourselves up to those times. And that's the type of stuff that leads to this deconstruction movement that we're seeing where so many people are looking back at their faith and realizing, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't God. That was a G to a C with some good lighting. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really important that we're addressing the different audiences here because I, I agree with you, you know, there, there are definitely, uh, people on church staff that this is something like, Hey, what, whatever you consider our experience, keep this in mind type of deal. We've been there, but at the same time, you know, I had a, I had a good friend who was in ministry for a long time. We, we sat down, we talked about where he's at, where he's at, um, spiritually now he's not working for a church anymore. And he said, Eric, I don't, I don't even really know where I'd be right now. I'd kind of consider myself a hopeful agnostic. And man, that kind of hit me because it was like, he was talking about a lot of these types of things and realizing that once you pull the curtain back and you start to see, was this the spirit or was this emotional manipulation? Was I crying at church camp because I felt like uh, I had a moment where Jesus knocked me off my horse and you know what I mean? Like the whole Paul, Saul to Paul type of situation or was this, you know, I was, t- I was tired because it was 11 o'clock and we'd already gone through seven different songs and, and, you know, had an emotionally manipulative talk and stuff like that. And it's like, wow. And so I, I want to make sure that we're telling people, uh, what goes on behind the scenes, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because there are people who are 20 to 40 right now and maybe older that, uh, whether you call them in the deconstruction movement or anything else like that, that are really wondering, like, wow, what was that thing that we went through? Is that really true? Are we wrestling? And now they have kids of their own and they're trying to decide how do I talk about this thing called the Holy Spirit without doing to them what I think was done to me, you know, or without going through those same questions. And so it is important for me to be able to say, here's, here's, here's the good, here's the bad, here's the things that, that can happen if people aren't being honest, or like you said, if they're allowing that sin nature inside of them to take over and decide that they're going to pull the manipulation button, as opposed to, you know, this is, this is the best stewarding of, um, you know, of the program plan or of the, you know, worship service that I can do. So my background, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. My grandpa was a church of God preacher, um, so hearing speaking in tongues and spirit moving stuff like yeah. that was a normal part of my childhood and my church experience. Right. Um, and so when I got to college and then when I got into ministry, I had seen the spirit side of things abused, um, in different ways. Like, um, I don't think my, my grandfather never said this, but others in our denomination would use the whole, if you've never spoken in tongues, you're not really saved type of thing. Right. So again, an emotional manipulation based on the Holy spirit there. Yep. Um, But we had this one woman in our church that (laughs) whenever she would um, quote unquote, get slain in the spirit or whatever. Right. Like she would be the person who would run around the, the auditorium, like screaming and yelling. However, she always had the wherewithal to take her heels off. So (laughs) she would be in the moment or whatever. And then would like, would stop, take her heels off and then get right back in it and run around. And it always like that stuck out to me as something that it's like, is that real or is that putting on 
because you're doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. Because right. if you're so slain in the spirit that you can't control yourself, that you got to do this, yep. but then you can flip a switch, take your shoes off and then flip it right back on. Right. It's, uh, that has always stuck out to me. So I think even as normal churchgoers and normal Christians, we have to ask ourselves is what we're feeling emotional? Is it a bad yeah. taco that we ate for lunch Right. that maybe isn't sitting well in our belly? Or is it the Holy Spirit lighting a fire in our belly to go do something? Yep. And that is something that as Christians, we have to get wrong before we're able to get it right. Sure. We have to think it's the Holy Spirit, realize we're wrong, that it was just a taco, and learn from that so that we can be more discerning and more um, more competent listeners to the Holy Spirit yeah. Yeah. than like, it's a it's a muscle that takes practicing to be able to tell what's the difference between my emotions and what is actually the Holy Spirit living inside me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we had a, a pastor you know, it really talked about like three different, three different filters for these things. And, and again, you know, this kind of comes from first John four, one, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the spirit, right? Like you need to test every spirit, those sorts of things and talking about false prophets, but really there's, there's a sense that does it match this feeling that you have this, um, this emotional feel? Does it match scripture? Number one, does it match the spirit that, that God says is already inside you and dwells within you? And then number three would be, does it match the, the counsel that you're getting from other, you know, spiritual advisors in your, you know, in, in your immediate area that know you? And, you know, that's a pretty good, that was a pretty good litmus test for me in most cases. Like if it violates scripture, no, it's not the spirit, right? And so if there's something that I feel is is coming from within me, that's like, oh, God is leading me. You know, it's the, uh, uh, what's the guy on, he's on uh, TikTok and Instagram, Josh Benson. He's the uh, church, church Chad guy who's like, hey, McKenna, what's up? It's me, John Michael. Uh, God is telling me that you and I should be talking right now. Like that mentality, does that align with scripture? And is it aligning with what other, you know, smarter, older, more seasoned Christians are also feeling at the time too? We always said, is it motivated by love and backed up by scripture? Right, exactly. Yep. So, I mean, whatever that vetting process looks like for you, you shouldn't just have a straight beeline from the feeling and prompting, quote unquote, that I have is definitely the spirit. Because if you're not actually testing that spirit, then you're also violating scripture because scripture says to test every spirit, right? So this could be, like you said, the spirit of indigestion. It could be the spirit of lust. It could be the spirit of anger. It could be the spirit of, I just didn't sleep well, you know, or it could be the hangry spirit where I need a Snickers. Sometimes the most, I mean, it even says it in scripture, like sometimes the most holy thing you could do is take a nap, right? Like how many times has God said, Hey, go to sleep, get something to eat. Then we'll do this in the morning, you know, like, great. So test those spirits in your personal life. And if you're on a ministry team, especially test those spirits before you then put that idea or that feeling in front of whoever it is, 10, a hundred thousands of people. Um, and I think we've, we've learned that, especially from, you know, what the Spotify raps told me this year is that the, uh, the Mars Hill podcast was the thing that I listened to the most. And I'm listening through this podcast, the story of Mars Hill and going, 
there wasn't enough testing of the spirit there. There was like a straight unfiltered from someone's what they thought was the spirit into action. And you're seeing now on the back end how that's, that's, that's affected, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people. And on the flip side, we have to know that when church Chad does come up to us or Bible Becky or whoever hey brother, it is, can I like, talk well, to you I for think, a second? That's my favorite. I think hey the brother, Lord's telling hey brother, me. Jonathan, I mean, can I tell you something? The Lord has got something for you. I got a word for you, brother Jonathan. Shut up. Just walk the other way. Anyway, go ahead. Sometimes they do. Sometimes God does prompt, the Holy Spirit does prompt somebody to come tell you something. But again, sometimes those people are being emotional and manipulative and don't even know it. It's like, like, I think you're in an unhealthy relationship with Timmy. Well, what Bible Becky doesn't realize is she has a massive crush on Timmy as well. Uh, and she's yeah. jealous of you that you're dating Timmy. Right. And so her emotions are getting the best of her and she's using the spirit of God as a cover to manipulate. Right. And sometimes there's a difference between her opinion and her insight and her wisdom and spirit, you know, and a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Those two aren't always the same. They're not always mutually exclusive. But I think even that conversation for you that that says something to me. Like I'm okay if if you come up to me and you go, "Hey Eric, here's what I think, here's what I feel. This is some insight that I have." That's one thing. But if you say, "Hey brother Eric, uh God's telling me to tell you this." It's like, "Ah, I'm immediately putting up a little bit of a you're like, "Oh, is he really or is this like the way that you want me to go. And I think it's okay to just go, this is how I'm feeling. But a lot of times we bring that up to people. And I, I mean, I might be pulling back the curtain too much, but we use the Holy Spirit to give us authority that we are afraid we don't have, or we want to try and make sure that the other person takes us more seriously. Because it's one thing for me to say, hey, Jonathan, what you're doing, man, I think is going to lead you in a place you don't want to go. One. Or if I say, hey, Jonathan, God told me what you're doing is wrong and it's going to lead you to disaster. Like one can definitely be manipulation if it's used in the wrong way. And I think as we think about where we go from here, which is like our whole goal with this podcast is to is to unlearn some of these bad things and figure out what we do next. Like, yes, how do we train and lead a the next generation of Christians uh, in a healthier way than what we were led. And I think for those of us who have any influence in anyone's life, which is everyone, right? then I think as we think about how we talk to those, whether you're a small group leader of high school kids, whether you're just a parent, whether you're whatever you are, there is there will be times that in those relationships, God tells you to pray for that person in a certain way or Maybe God does tell you that like, hey, I want you to do this or whatever, like in an encouragement way. But we have to realize that a lot of what we are doing when we are counseling those we are leading is our opinion based yes. on our situations yes. and discernment and interpretation of what's going on. It is right. filtered like, through I think you said that at the very people. least, at the very least, it's our it's filtered through our own interpretation of what the Holy Spirit might be giving us. So even if Correct. it is the Holy Spirit, that you have to understand there's some level of bias, positive or negative, that comes through our 
either our interpretation or our translation of that prompting. So that's important. That's an important call. And I'm glad you brought it up. And so as we're telling those people things, people we're leading, and it could be in our marriage, it could be in our worker environment, it could be whatever. Framing it as, hey, I think God wants you to know this versus I think God's telling you this. That's a small switch. And then on the back end saying, I think that's what's going on here. You'll need to weigh and test that and pray through that and see if God confirms that to you. Yes. But this is what I'm thinking in this moment. And to it almost feels like you're couching your statements. But in reality, what you're doing is you're acknowledging your own sinfulness and your own yep. issues so that you're not being unintentionally manipulative. Exactly. I mean, how much more authentic is that if somebody comes up to you, like I said, and says, hey, Jonathan, uh, I think you need to use your discernment on this one. But this is the prompting that I'm feeling from the Holy Spirit um, when it comes to the situation in your life. So like I said, I mean, you, you've got to pray about it and go to scripture about it. But this is just what I'm getting. And if I give you that feedback and I give you that, you know, that I don't that word, whatever you want to call it. Now I'm at least giving you that caveat that, hey, this is I'm not sure what that means, because, again, how am I supposed to know directly what that means for what God is telling you in your life? So it could be something that matches up with exactly what it is that that you're going through. If I go, hey, this job opportunity, Jonathan, man, I, I'm getting this sense and this feeling that man, maybe you need to step out and and really just go for it. Right. You got it. You've got to go to scripture and pray to God for what you feel is happening. And now you get a chance to then compare that and again, test every spirit and go, okay, how does this compare with God's promptings in my own life? Because if it's something I've seen way too many people that are either in high school, in college, young adults. In fact, I just saw somebody I led in high school ministry the other day post about this on Facebook where it's like, they are just blown by every spirit of everybody that comes and talks to them. Hey, oh, you know what, so-and-so, I, I just got this feeling that you need to step out and do something big. Oh, hey, everybody, I'm moving across the world, and I'm going to do, you know, YWAM with whatever. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man, you know. The specificity uh, of YWAM made me laugh right there. <laughs> But right. Well, and then the next thing, you know, they're messaging you on Facebook saying that, that, you know, will you plant a seed into my ministry and all that kind of stuff? Anyway, we'll save that for another day. But that's yeah. that's the key. I love that you said said that is that you really need to at least acknowledge in your own life that the wisdom that I'm giving you or what I'm translating that the spirit gave to me um it may not, I mean, you're going to have to filter that through what God is telling you through your own experience and things like that. And don't just take exactly what I say to be 100% gospel truth, because it may not be. And I think the the fact that we've, we've had too many people in situations where we've had too many Christians not do that has led us to the type of epidemic that we have in the church today. So I want to tell other people, just like you're saying, if you're leading anyone in any situation, the best way to help us move forward and not have that sort of thing done to the next generation of people it is to think through those sorts of filters and to think through that sort of discernment. And I think that's a great place to end it for today. We have to realize that the emotional manipulation can be both ways. It can be coming yep. from others and we can be doing it ourselves. A lot yep. of times it's not intentional. Uh, yep. Sometimes it is, unfortunately, 
But uh, if we can live lives attuned to the spirit where we are also practicing discernment and living in the tension of being spirit led while also being pragmatic and discerning, then I think we can have a much healthier Christian culture than maybe the one a lot of us grew up in. Exactly. So that's it for this week. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit. Next week, we're going to talk about heaven and hell and uh, the the cultural theology around that. Some of the things we were taught as uh, kids, the idea that um, <laughs> grandma's up in heaven looking down uh, on us and she just earned their wings. Oh, she's um, one of the angels. She's one of the angels. And she's with Fluffy, too, who crossed the rainbow bridge into heaven and they've got their harp. Oh, so dumb. My grandma used to say when, it, when people die, they earn their wings. So oh, that one's a legit yes. like, and, and, and for, for the record, just so you all are aware, um, I wrote a 20 page paper in seminary theology class on heaven and hell. So um, I might nerd out a little bit next week, but it'll be a good time. So go ahead, uh, hit that subscribe button, rate us, review us if you haven't already. If you've got a story to send in to the beginning of the episode, we need more of those. So send a, a voice message or even just send like email us just the text to uh, hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. And uh, if you don't want to record that yourself, we can get somebody to record it for you and um, kind of pulling the curtain back there. But uh, that's it for this week. We can't wait to hang out with you the rest of the season. Uh, we're looking forward to it. And we hope you have a great week.